Welcome to The Straight Stitch, a podcast about sewing and other fiber arts. This is episode 13, and my name is Janet Zabo. I'll be your guide as we explore all things sewing. I was supposed to be at a class today. I was supposed to be at the Amanda Murphy ruler class in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, but unfortunately, we have had a string of storms come in off the Pacific and even though I am a very capable winter driver, I have lots of winter driving experience. I've got super aggressive studded snow tires on my car. I don't willingly go into situations that are dangerous and driving over a couple of mountain passes when several feet of snow were predicted is not a prudent thing to do. So last week when it looked like things were going to be a little too dicey over the passes to get for me to get to Coeur d'Alene um, and my dear husband I know wanted to tell me not to go but he doesn't do that kind of thing. Um, so he didn't tell me not to go but I could tell that he didn't want me to go. So I decided that I would uh, call the store on Thursday and let them know that I was not going to be attending the class. But because I am a teacher and because I know that the stores are on the hook for paying the teacher no matter whether or not the students show up, um, I did offer to try and find somebody to take my spot in the class. And the store said that was fine if I wanted to do that. So I called uh, one of the women that works at the quilt store here in Kalispell because she has a cousin that lives in Coeur d'Alene. And the reason I know she has a cousin that lives in Coeur d'Alene is because the two of them were both in my, the very first serger class I ever taught here. So I called her up and I said, does your cousin quilt? And she said, yes, she does. And I said, may I have her contact information, please? So I called her cousin and I explained the situation to her and she said, oh yes, I know that store. I shop there all the time. And I said, would you like to take this class in my place? And she said, sure. So I called the store back and said that she was going to be taking the uh, class in my place. And they said, oh yes, we know who she is. So it all worked out and I'm hoping that she had a good time in the class today. I'm sure it was a phenomenal class. I wish I could have taken it, but sometimes these things just don't work out. So you are not getting a review of that class today, unfortunately, but um, you are still going to get a podcast. And what I have decided to talk about today is balance for a couple of reasons. One is because it's December and we are in the throes of holiday preparations and I've been part of discussions in some of the online groups that I frequent where people have asked, uh, do you decorate for Christmas? How much prep what kinds of preparations do you make for the holidays? Um, this is the time of year when things can get really off kilter and out of balance and people can get very stressed out. So I thought it was important to talk about that rather than talking about um, the five gifts that you can make at the last minute for people who need to need to have a present. We don't need to add additional stress to our lives. 
The other reason is because I was surfing YouTube last night and ran across the channel of someone that I've been following for, oh, I don't know, two years or so. And I noticed that this was the first video she had posted in almost a year. She kind of fell off the radar last February and I wasn't sure why. And it turns out that she had gotten burned out on sewing and burned out on quilting. And she realized that she needed to make some changes in her life and with her health and with her family. So I think she said she didn't go into her sewing room for three months. And during that time, she changed her diet. She took up running and she, over the intervening year, has lost over a hundred pounds, which is pretty amazing. And she said she's ready to come back to sewing. She's ready to come back to quilting, but she's going to approach it in a completely different way. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about this. I've experienced it myself. One of the reasons I gave up knitting in 2010 was also because of burnout. I decided that 10 years of publishing Twists and Turns, uh, my cabling newsletter, 10 years was plenty of time. My older daughter was entering high school and I knew that in a short period of time she was going to be going off to college and I didn't want to miss any of that time that I had with her and frankly I was just tired of knitting. So I went back to school and became a medical transcriptionist, which was completely different than knitting. Um, something that I also very much enjoyed and I would still be doing it if I hadn't been replaced by a computer because in a lot of ways, being a medical transcriptionist was my dream job. I got to work at home. It was work that I found incredibly interesting. I set my own hours. Um, I, I do miss it and I wish that I was still doing it sometimes, but that's the way things go. And since that time, really the only thing that I've knit is prayer shawls. I've knit a lot of prayer shawls. Our church has a prayer shawl ministry. I knit a lot of prayer shawls, but nothing else. From that standpoint, I do feel a bit qualified to talk about balance and burnout and maybe how you can avoid those things in your own life. So I will just share some tips that I find useful and hopefully you'll find them useful too. In terms of the holiday season, I'll just let you know that um, I'm maybe not totally a Grinch, but I don't do a lot for the holidays because um, I am also a church pianist. And if you know any church pianists, you know that the holiday season is probably the most stressful time of their year. There are, in addition to uh, regular duties, there are extra rehearsals, choir practices, additional performances, um, just lots and lots of extra things going on in addition to all of the other stuff. So I have had years where, I, I mean, I play regularly every Sunday for my own church, um, but there, I have also had years where I played Wednesday evening Advent services for a local Lutheran church in addition to what I was doing for our church, and years where I did that 
And I also helped out with a children's orchestra where I played the piano for some of their pieces too. Um, playing the piano is actually fairly lucrative for me. It's a skill that not a lot of people have. And so I get paid fairly well when I do that. And so um, I do tend to take those jobs when they present themselves. But it means that my Decembers are pretty full. And when my kids were in school, because they were both in um, band and musical ensembles, we had their performances in addition to my performances. And when they were in elementary school, I also played the trombone in their elementary school bands because their bands typically didn't have a lot of low brass instruments. So forget about trying to make things to give people for Christmas. Um, if I have offered to make you a quilt for the holidays or a quilt as a present, you're probably not going to get it at Christmas. I have a quilt for my sister that I have been trying to make for her for probably 10 years now. And that is one of the first things that is up on the schedule to finish after the first of the year because that has languished far too long. She's actually moved to a different house since I started that quilt. And I think that she has kept her same decorating scheme and color scheme, so the quilt will still fit in with her color scheme, but it's kind of inexcusable that it has taken me so long to get that done. Um, so I just want to assure you that, you know, when the holidays roll around, if you're feeling the pressure to make everybody beautiful handmade gifts at the last minute, don't. Give them a box with an IOU in it and say, here's the fabric, here's the pattern, here's what I'm hoping to make for you. But you probably won't get it at Christmas. There are only a few people in my family that I'm willing to put forth that kind of effort for. So if that's just not your thing, I absolve you of that guilt. And if you are one of those people who gets a lot of joy from giving handmade gifts for Christmas, I want you to know that I will be over here cheering for you. I will be so happy for you and I will do everything that I can to encourage you because that's something that gives you joy and I want you to continue doing that. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk a little bit about how to maintain some balance in your life when it comes to your crafts. I know that one of the aspects of my personality and it's one of the aspects of my husband's personality too so uh, we're a couple of peas in a pod when it comes to taking up a hobby or learning a new skill we both tend to go all in feet first doing everything we can buying all the supplies having everything on hand for every iteration that we might want to do that's just how we are. And I have learned that about myself over the years. And sometimes I have to put the brakes on and say, you don't need to buy every single color of DMC embroidery floss right now. It's okay to buy things as you need them. Some of that I think stems from the fact that we live in a rural area and supplies can be hard to come by. So if I'm in a place like Seattle, where I have ready access to lots of different supplies, I may tend to go a tiny little bit overboard 
because I know that sourcing those things where I live at home is going to be a lot more difficult. On the other hand, sometimes I look around and I think, how did I end up with 30 sewing machines? And what am I going to do with all of these machines? I don't have time to tinker with all of them and get them running. And so sometimes I will, you know, fix a machine up as much as I can and then release it back into the wild. Because I know that I don't need to ha keep that many machines around. I'm gradually paring down my collection of sewing machines. And to be fair, I did not buy all of those sewing machines. A lot of them were just donated or dropped off on my porch overnight when people found out that I was tinkering around with old sewing machines. So um, I have a lot that came to me because their former owners just didn't know what else to do with them. It is okay to move slowly though and find out if you actually like something before you buy everything that you need for it and go whole hog. Variety is important to some people and not so important to other people. So it might be helpful for you to decide how many different kinds of things you like to do. I like to quilt. I like to make clothing. I like to sew bags. I like to embroider. I like to spin. I like to knit. I have a lot of interests in the textile department and I have indulged most of them. About the only thing that I don't do is weave, but I've done everything else. Um, some things I haven't done in a long time, I wish I had more time to spin. And when I say that, I recognize that I could make time to spin if I wanted to. Um, but right now it's just not a priority, although I do enjoy it when I get to do it. Think about balance and how that relates to the variety of things that you like to do. Having more than one interest uh, allows you to maybe set aside one when you get tired of it and move on to something else. So I've been making a lot of clothing for about the last six months but I have a king size quilt that needs to be finished. And I just finished the quilting of it this morning. I have a Bernina Q20 in a horn lift table. And I finished quilting that king size quilt this morning. It's ready to be trimmed and bound and I will do that. And I was thinking how nice it is to take a break from making clothing and spend some time working on a quilt instead. I've also got a few uh, quilt projects lined up. I taught, mentioned my sister's quilt. Um, I also need to make a baby quilt for one of my cousins who just had a grandchild. And I'm looking forward to getting in and playing around with some of the, um, the new fabric that I got on my birthday trip. So I have those two fat quarter bundles of Tilda fabric. And those are going to be uh, some kind of a wall hanging or a small quilt project. And I think that kind of variety allows you to use different parts of your brain. So when I'm working on clothing, I'm doing a lot more um, spatial stuff. I'm doing a lot more math and measuring. Not that there isn't math and measuring in quilts, but um, a lot of times 
If I've cut pieces for a quilt, it's just a matter of sewing them together. I work on my embroidery projects in the evening and that gives me a nice break. It doesn't require me to think quite as much and I can do it while my husband and I are sitting in our living room uh, catching up with each other or watching YouTube videos. I, I like winter. I'm one of those weird people who likes cold, dark weather because in the winter, um, he has to stay inside. <laughs> in the summer, he'll work until it's completely dark outside, which in Montana in June is 11 o'clock at night. So I don't see as much of him during the, the summer as I do during the winter, so I tend to like my winter time. Um, I like the coziness of sitting in our living room in front of the fireplace, and that's usually when I do my handwork and my embroidery, or I'll sew down quilt binding or things like that. Don't overcommit. This uh, go kind of goes hand in hand with, do you go all in or do you kind of inch your way into something? It's also very easy for me to overcommit. There's this phenomenon that I have in my brain where um, I think that the amount of time that it takes me to think through a project in my brain is the amount of time that it will actually take me to make the project, which is so not true. Usually it will take me five or ten times as long to make a project as it does to think it through in my head. So I'll somebody will say, oh, could you do this for me? And I'll say, sure, that won't take very long because I will have thought it through in my head and it will only take half an hour. So I have learned, I'm learning, it's a process, learning not to overcommit. I am learning what I am capable and willing to do in a certain period of time. Whether that is something for somebody else or it's something for myself. For that same reason, I try not to buy kits. I try not to uh, succumb to the temptation or the fear of missing out because I know that um, I have a pile of kits already stacked up at home waiting for some attention and so I don't need to add to that pile. And I'm over here giving you all this advice and it's easier said than done, trust me. Um, I'm, you know, do as I say, not as I do. I think that for those people who um, turn their hobbies into businesses, while that sounds like a glorious thing to do, and my husband and I have both been self-employed our entire adult lives, and I can tell you that we wouldn't have it any other way. We like working for ourselves. Um, that's our personality. And we find satisfaction and fulfillment in doing that. But if you are not prepared to work for yourself, maybe keep your hobby a hobby. If you do decide to make your hobby a business, and again, I'm speaking from personal experience here, I think it's very important to set boundaries. Uh, my husband reminded me that I probably shouldn't put my phone number on things anymore. Um, it's on a lot of my knitting patterns because at one time, before the internet, before email, uh, contacting somebody by phone to ask questions 
was really the only way that you could get answers to some of your questions. But people don't always stop to think about where they are in relation to where the person is that they're calling. And uh, I used to get phone calls at weird hours of the day and night because people on the East Coast maybe didn't check to see that I was two hours behind. So set boundaries. you know, keep some of your personal information personal, have a have a special email account for people to get a hold of you. If you're willing to take phone calls, maybe say, hey, only between these hours and these hours. Um, out of respect for family time, out of respect for work business hours. We have become a society where everybody is into instant gratification and thinks that If they email someone at three o'clock in the morning, they're entitled to a response within 15 minutes. And real life just doesn't work that way. Set boundaries. Whether or not your hobby has become a business, set boundaries. Learn to say no. It It may be a situation, something like, you know, somebody from your kid's elementary school approaches you and says, Hey, I I understand that you quilt. Do you think you could make a quilt for our so and so auction and and we could don't you know you could donate it and we could raffle it off and raise money. Um, there are lots of situations where people will assume that because you do something as a hobby that you're willing to uh, contribute that those products to their cause. And if you want to do that, that's fine, but you shouldn't feel guilted into doing it. Not every moment of your day needs to be productive. Again, this was a really hard one for me to learn. I'm kind of all about productivity. And the first question my husband and I usually ask each other at the end of the day is, did you have a productive day? Because that's how we gauge our success. And, you know, it works for us, um, but I try not to get too tied up in that anymore. Some days just aren't productive and you just have to roll with it. I've also learned to take a little time during the day, whether it's, you know, an hour in the middle of the day to sit down in my chair and read a trashy romance novel or play a few games on my iPad. I've got some word games that I really like to play. It's a way to kind of reset myself mentally in the middle of the day. And it's also a way to let myself relax at the end of the day. Uh, If I'm not doing embroidery or something like that, sometimes I'll read, sometimes I'll play a game. I've also found that surfing Pinterest just before I go to bed Um, is a good way to kind of prime my brain power, prime the pump, and give me some things, give, give my subconscious some things to chew on overnight. So half an hour of surfing Pinterest in the evening is also one of the things that I like to do for downtime. If you'd like to make gifts for people, but you find yourself not wanting to rush around at the last second, Um, I'll tell you that I still don't have a Christmas outfit. I may be making my Christmas outfit the week before Christmas. I try not to do it the night before Christmas, um, but I have been known to do it the week before Christmas. 
But if you're one of those people that would really like to give handmade gifts, think about scheduling your gift making earlier in the year. My sewing time tends to be from about November until March because again, it's winter, it's slower. Um, in the spring, because I have a big garden and we raise chickens and pigs, around March, I'm out in the greenhouse planting seedlings, things to grow in the garden, things to sell at a fundraising plant sale that I'm in charge of. And as soon as the weather warms up and the garden goes in and the piglets arrive, it's off to the races and I don't have any time to sew. Um, I will be outside working. I will be outside getting some vitamin D. I might have a few minutes in the evening to work on a few things, but typically my days are taken up with other things. So my sewing time tends to be confined to that period of time from about the 1st of November until about the middle of March. And if I don't get it done during that time, it probably isn't going to get done for Christmas. Those are just a few of the ideas I have and a little bit of advice. You can take it or leave it. It's worth what you paid for it. I do want to talk a little bit about what I have been sewing this week. I cut out another pair of the Style Arc Linda pants out of some dark red bengaline fabric that I got from Joann's. I, I actually have three wardrobes. I have the grubby clothing that I work around the property in, and I have a intermediate set of clothing that I'll wear when I go to town or um, when I want to look a little bit nicer than like I just walked in out of the pig pasture. And then I have the dressy clothes that I wear to church or that I wear to teach in. There's a little bit of fluidity between those three things, but typically they're pretty separate. Sometimes the clothes in the intermediate section will get demoted to farming clothes when they wear out. But I am trying to pay attention to where the holes in my wardrobe are right now. And getting dressed for church is a challenge because I have a lot of disparate pieces and I need a few things to kind of pull them together. So I'm trying to be cognizant of that and find those pieces or make those pieces so that my wardrobe is a little bit more coherent in that department. So I'm making myself a few more uh, Style Arc Linda pants now that I have the pattern dialed in and I really like it. And I, I do like the stretch bengaline. It's easy to work with. It can be done entirely on my serger. And they those pants work up in about an hour um, once I have them cut out. I've been working on that. Last week, I also got out the McCall's 8022 pattern, which is a Nancy Zeman design. And I've had this pattern in my stash for a while and I wanted to make it up. So last week I ran up a muslin just to check the fit. That pattern comes in alphabet sizing. So it comes in um, small, medium, large, and extra large. So I chose the large. I'll be talking about that in future episodes when I talk about knit fabric. Whether when you make something, do you want positive ease or negative ease? 
Or do you want zero ease? So do you want it to fit perfectly? Do you want it to fit a little snugly or do you want it to fit loosely? Um, so I ran up the muslin for that one just to check the fit. And as it turns out, I guess I am more of a rectangle than an hourglass because I needed to grade the side seams out just a little bit. Um, I'm a large everywhere else, but I needed to grade out the side seams about an inch. So I did that and made up a second muslin just to test the fit. And I really like it. That design is um, intended to be like athletic wear. It's got princess seams, which I find to be very flattering. And um, there is also a YouTube video to go with it, although I didn't watch the YouTube video until after I had made the muslins. The YouTube video is hosted by the Stitch It Sisters, and I, I think it's part of Nancy Zeman Productions, so I think it's still part of Nancy Zeman's company. But they go through the process of putting that tunic together. And I watched it and had to laugh at myself because I didn't follow any of the instructions. Um, it's got a pocket in the front, but the pocket is small. And the reviewers on Sewing Pattern Review all commented that they thought that the pocket was rather useless because of its size. And I am one of the few women in the world who doesn't like pockets in my clothing. So I left the pocket out. I also made it entirely on my serger. And in the video, they construct it on a sewing machine. So if you don't have a serger, you can still make that pattern on your sewing machine. I, I like the way it fits. I need to figure out exactly what fabric will be best for that pattern. And I also had to adjust the length of it a little bit. I like tunics, but if they're too long and they come down to just above my knee, then the proportions are wrong for my height and I look funny. So I figured that out um, and I've been working on that. I also want to mention that if you've never read the book Seems Unlikely, that's Nancy Zeman's autobiography. Um, unfortunately, N Nancy Zeman is no longer with us. She died of cancer a couple years ago. But she was an amazing woman, and that was a wonderful book. I enjoyed every, every single page. I particularly liked the story of how she started her business in a spare bedroom in her house, and when it got too big, she moved to her in-law's basement. And when it outgrew the in-law's basement, she moved it to a warehouse. And she kept getting, her company kept getting larger and larger, and she went to the bank and asked for a loan and the loan officer basically patted her on the head and said, oh, I'm sorry, we can't loan money to you for your little hobby. And I think it was her mother-in-law who walked into the bank the next day and said to the loan officer, you need to go see how much money Nancy's business has on deposit in your bank and you need to reconsider your decision. And he did. So it's a great book if you can get your hands on a copy. Um, I highly recommend it. Nancy Zeman was a force to be reckoned with and her legacy lives on. So that's, that's really phenomenal. I mentioned the quilt that I'm working on. The pattern is called Scrapper's Delight and it's from the book Sunday Morning Quilts. 
um, Amanda Jean Nyberg, and I can't remember off the top of my head who the other author was. I'm so sorry. Um, I will put those names, I will put that information in the show notes. The Scrapper's Delight quilt is one that I've made several times before. I've made several of those quilts from that book several times. That's probably my favorite scrap quilt book. And this is one of my favorite scrap quilts because there's no measuring. All you do is sew, you sew, and then you trim. And I have a king size version of it in many, many colors. It's a beautiful, bright, multicolored quilt on our bed. And over last winter, I put together another king size version of it, but I did that one in creams, grays, and whites. So I've been working on quilting that one. And because it was such a linear, it's kind of a scrappy log cabin pattern. Because it's such a linear pattern, I wanted to do some round quilting. For the version that's on our bed, I did free motion loops. I'm really good at free motion loops and I tend to default to free motion loops because they're easy, but I thought for this quilt, I should do something different. So I got out my Amanda Murphy lollipop rulers and I used the circle lollipop ruler and went back and forth across the quilt with staggered lollipops. It's a relatively simple pattern, but it took me longer than I thought it would because maneuvering a king size quilt around on my quilting table takes a fair bit of effort and I could only do it in small stretches of time. So I broke it into quadrants and I would work on parts of a quadrant at a time. So now it's done and I'm getting ready to bind it and I'm excited about it. I like the way it looks. I like the way the quilting came out. The embroidery project that I'm currently working on is by Robert Mayhar. He has um, a fabulous Instagram account. Follow him on Instagram if you don't already. Um, he has all sorts of really interesting patterns. And there's a series of five of them that are based on anatomical drawings from old medical textbooks. And hundreds of years ago, for some reason, when medical textbooks were produced, the artists who did the illustrations added botanical elements to the anatomical drawings. And his, uh, these five embroidery patterns are based on those drawings. So I'm currently working on the one that's called Blackberry Heart, which is an anatomical drawing of the heart with blackberries around it. So there are actual berries and there are unripe berries and there are leaves and there are stems. So I'm currently embroidering the blood vessels on the surface of the heart. I've done a couple of blackberries and I've done some ribs in the leaves and I'm finding that with those particular patterns, less is more. You want to embroider so that people recognize that it's embroidered, but you don't want to cover the entire surface uh, because the anatomical drawings need to kind of peek through. So when I was in Seattle over Thanksgiving, I went back to the store where I bought the original Robert Mayhar pattern and I bought the other four in the series and I'm looking forward to getting those all completed this winter.
I have my confirmation for teaching at So Expo, which is in Puyallup, Washington at the Washington State Fairgrounds. And that will be held February 29th to March 4th. Tickets for that event go on sale on January 16th. And I would suggest that if you want to go to that event, if you're local to the area, um, put that date on your calendar and set an alarm because you want to get in there and know what classes you want to take and register for them as soon as you can because things tend to fill up and they do only give you about 20 minutes to register. Your registration has a timer on it. So if you haven't finished registering by the time the timer runs out, you're out of luck. I'm starting to schedule some additional classes here and in Missoula and hopefully in Spokane. And finally, this week is our sewing group's Christmas party. I belong to a sewing group that meets up the road at our community center. And I don't get there every Thursday. Um, I will confess, I am not much of a social butterfly. And sometimes if I get involved in a project, I will want to work here by myself. Um, so I don't always make it to sewing. I try to pop in there once a month so that they remember what I look like. Um, a lot of the women that are in this sewing group also belong to our local craft cooperative. And that craft cooperative is the group that has a sale at the end of September every year. And I've participated in that. Um, so we're going to have our Christmas party on Thursday and it's always a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to that. I have a Christmas outfit to wear um, that I did not make. I was out shopping and I found something that I thought would be cute. So I'm going to wear that. It's a little bit of a shorter episode today. Um, I'm doing an interview on Wednesday and I think that will be part of next week's show. I want to thank everybody who has left a review on iTunes, uh, on Apple Podcasts. Um, for the person who left the review who said that they were binge listening to all of the episodes, I hope that I hope it was worth it. Um, and I really appreciated that review. So thank you very much for that. I'm thrilled that you liked the podcast enough to listen to me blather on for a couple of hours. It's getting to be close to the holiday season for all of us. And so I'm not quite sure how the episodes are going to go through the end of the year. Um, I intend to have an episode every week through the end of the year. I'm just not quite sure what the subject matter is going to be. Uh, if you have any suggestions, I'd love to hear it. You can find the show notes for every episode on the website and you can get to the website by typing in thestraightstitchpodcast.com or you can go to my website, janetzabo.com. Uh, both of those URLs will take you to the website for the podcast and also the website for my blog. I'd appreciate it if you wanted to leave a review, but if even if you don't leave a review, if you just tell your friends about the podcast, that helps to get the word out and it'll help more people find us. So until next week, I hope you have a great week and I hope you get to go sew something.